Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, the final post-quali podcast edition. Let's call it that. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the final PQP with Sebastian Vettel in. And it's very, very sad, is it not, Tommy, the WTF1 founder? Abu Dhabi Dabi Day is the uh, final Grand Prix weekend of the year, uh, which, of course, we could go into an hour podcast just on why that shouldn't be the case. But here we are. We're going to talk about what happened in qualifying. Indeed. <laughs> okay, good. I thought <laughs> you were going to say <laughs> anything. Uh, I, I just also... didn't expect you to pause there. That's fine, Tommy. I just wanted to throw you off, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, Twitch are also saying hello. If you don't follow us already, WTF1 official, uh, if you want to watch our watch-alongs, which we've just come off the back of qualifying. Of course, we've got the race tomorrow as well. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the 2023 changes that Formula One announced yesterday. So lots of exciting things to talk about. So I'm looking forward to it. But first and foremost, let's run through qualifying and what happened not as controversial or crazy as some qualifying sessions i.e we didn't get Brazil. Aston Paul. no no k-mag on pole no. we were hoping for an aston martin on pole uh for this particular weekend but some of the drivers did not get the memo including max verstappen but we will start with q1 and it was k-mag pierre gasly Valtteri bottas alex alvin and nicholas latifi out in Q1. Now, one of my podcast predictions is Nicholas Latifi will not finish last on the road. He almost outqualified Alex Albon. I have to say, Nick, Nicky, Nicky looking good in this final race uh, for mm. Williams, and uh, I'm up. fully, I'm fully vibing uh, with that. To be honest with you, yeah, he did all right. Um, Williams, yeah, not not looking in in great form. They looked quite quick uh, in FP3, but like we discussed on our watch along. Uh, Abu Dhabi is a strange one because essentially, uh, like your Singapore's and uh, other night races, you're running in conditions that aren't representative at all uh, in the the earlier practice sessions because uh, we're used to, you know, it's at night, so it's completely different. And um, that was definitely apparent through much of the order, to be honest, which we'll go into later. Certainly was. Uh, another couple of drivers that maybe was a little bit shocking for us was Gasly and Bottas both out in Q1. Although if my stats serve me correctly, this is Pierre Gasly's seventh Q1 exit this year, which is pretty catastrophic from the Alpha Tauri team. They are definitely yep. the team that have gone the most backwards uh, of all the teams this year. And Gasly in particular, probably one of the drivers that has been the most disappointing as well from a performance uh, aspect and also comparing to his teammate, Sonoda starts 12th tomorrow and Gasly down in 17th. Yeah, shocking from Gasly. He's had a lot of a lot of Q1 exits, um, like you say. And it, it feels worse the fact that he was the star of qualifying last year. Um, has to be said. You know, he put in so many performances where he was up there in like P6, P7. Uh same with the with the year before as well. He'd done some brilliant performances and we were singing his praises, but yeah, not not a great performance again uh, in qualifying. And yeah, Bottas as well. Uh, think where Alfa Romeo were at the start of the season. And well, you, you look at two people there, actually, Magnussen and Bottas uh, were probably two of the stars of the first race, really, in terms of Alfa Romeo and Haas were right at the back uh, in 2021. And we got into that new season in Bahrain and it was like, oh my word, you know, Bottas is there racing the mercs magnuson's best of the rest what's going on 
Um, but yeah, 16th and 18th is shockingly bad. Yes, obviously K-Mag last time, last time out was Pole Sitter, which uh, we have to mention because it wasn't a pipe dream. And also going back to Gasly very quickly, I guess it also brings up a debate around, is he actually going to be better than Ocon when he moves over to Alpine? Uh, Ocon has been the sort of silent assassin this year, I'd say, which is picking up points, picking up decent quality results. He starts eighth uh, tomorrow and out qualifies Alonso. It was you know very touch and go between the two in both Q1 and Q2, but still uh, Ocon's been doing very, very well. And it has to pose the question, is Gasly actually going to be a match for Ocon coming into a new team as well? Mm. Yeah, well, it could be a very interesting situation with Gasly. I think it'd be the biggest test of how good he really is because you know we've seen him go up against Max Verstappen, which a lot of people have and not done very well. So it's a tough to know how good he is. But then him being demoted, he was obviously brilliant, like we said, putting in some amazing performances. But then was that just Sonoda being bad in his rookie season and getting used to Formula One? Um, because now um, Sonoda's outqualified Gasly a lot more than I expected him to this year, that's for sure. And that's coming from a Yuki fanboy as well, uh, mm. as as yourself. So uh, that's Q1. Q2, uh, Alonso, Sonoda, Schumacher, Stroll and uh, Joe were the uh, five to go out there. Obviously, Alonso was probably a bit of a surprise. We'd expect him to make it through uh, to Q3, especially as his teammate made it through. Uh, Sonoda did a good job, I'd say, in comparison to his, his teammate. Schumacher outqualified Magnussen as well. So uh, decent from him, considering as well the news came out that he will not be racing for Haas and it will be Nico Hulkenberg and you could almost tell as well it wasn't very sort of PR bubbly what he came out with it was almost it was quite a lot of emotion in his message wasn't there where it was like you know, really disappointed almost you know lack of understanding maybe that of, of why he's lost his seat it wasn't very much just like a oh thanks so much for the opportunity Haas uh bye that there's clearly some some bitter feelings uh, there and and it's a relationship that's well and truly broken down. Yeah, it has Mick. Um, yeah, got the better of Magnuson, um, so he'll be feeling happy about that. But yeah, he's not had the the whole Hulkenberg thing we've we've spoken about. Um, but it's a shame that that Schumacher's lost lost his drive. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did come back. Um, he'll want to obviously just hope that he gets one over on Magnuson to sort of like you say if he is feeling a little bit bitter it could be a a kind of go out on a high and oh well look see you dropped the wrong driver but yeah Schumacher surprisingly good actually 13th looking at the grid um I, I think Sonoda and Schumacher have done pretty well there to get 12th and 13th yeah I think so as well uh decent performances from the pair of them um and shocking from Alonso. Sorry. Like, yeah. Hurts yeah, me, not, but yeah, he didn't seem not... particularly bothered though. Obviously we had that, uh, there was an interview that went out around um, <laughs> uh, before qualifying and uh, he was being interviewed alongside Ocon and they were speaking about him leaving the team and he was saying, Oh, you know, I miss the guys and et cetera, et cetera. Then Ocon just went lies. You said that you're happy to leave or something like that in a kind of a jokey manner, but also, bit hard like a bit like baited him massively yeah, yeah big baits and then alonso just turns around and goes yeah i am happy to to leave and sort of says he's looking forward to a more competitive car so i feel like it will not bother alonso one bit that he is anywhere 
in that in the race unless he was going to win or had a chance to win i don't think he really cares uh, where he ends up in this final race with alpine uh, and then finally q3 verstappen perez uh locking out the front row uh, in the red bull uh, in the red bull sorry and then uh, second row Leclerc and Sainz, Hamilton and Russell. So it's the two by two. Then you have Lando Norris, of course, starting seventh. Who else really at this uh, at this stage, really? It's just Lando putting in performance after performance and only a couple of tenths off George Russell uh, in sixth. Then it's Ocon, Vettel, and then Danny Rick making it through to Q3, uh, doing a good job in potentially his last race as well. Uh, things to talk about. Verstappen gave Perez the toe even though in the first run he was supposed to as well, but uh, his car wasn't ready and we were all thinking, hmm, not hmm, ready, what's huh? Going on here? Uh, but then gave the toe the second time as well, but Perez, I felt like Perez maybe left a little bit on the table there. Felt like there was a, a small little bottle job there from, from Perez. He seemed like he had the pace. He made that big mistake on his first Q3 run, which would have lost him uh, a handful of time uh, and then just couldn't seem to really get back the feeling in the car, it seems. Yeah, the, the first run... Perez looked like he had the better of Verstappen and then it was like, oh God, he's uh, made a big mistake going into the final corner. It looked like he might even lose a place to one of the Ferraris. Um, And then, but no, Verstappen uh, had the better of him despite giving uh, him the toe. Uh, And of course, Verstappen going around that final corner as well uh, with his car, easily within the white lines, cleared up a lot of... um, screenshots we would have been seeing probably on Twitter of his first run where it looked extremely marginal if he'd have done it. Um, but the the second run very much was uh, easily within track limits. And one thing you know, we spoke about before we started this on our, on our Twitch stream was very amusing from Red Bull that it very much, the radio seemed to be like great job from the team there. And they're really, they're really kind of pushing this, um, yeah, look, well done from team. Good teamwork uh, after what happened Yay, in Brazil. Yay, happy families. Woohoo! How, however, those two starting on the front row uh, tomorrow, what what are they going to do there? Does Perez go for it? Um, do we see a repeat of last year? I mean, imagine if Perez gets the lead and then we see a Verstappen dive bomb into into the <laughs> chicane like we did last year. Into um, turn five yeah. again. Yeah, that would be Who quite knows? something, wouldn't it? But it's 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 uh it's quite a tasty grid, um, which I think a lot of people would maybe say, oh, it's probably the most boring audio you could possibly have Verstappen, Perez, and Leclerc. But the fact that Verstappen maybe wants to help Perez, we don't know. Perez and Leclerc going for P two in the title, they're next to each other on the grid. Fingers crossed. Let's stay positive. Come on, please, Abu Dhabi. Give us a good race. <laughs> Verstappen's got a role to play, though, hasn't he? If he is a true team player right now, and maybe Perez and Leclerc are quite comparable in race pace, Verstappen has to somehow be able to help Perez. If, if they're truly going to be trying to fight for this P2 like they said they would and trying to get this, this Red Bull 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship, Verstappen can't really, as a teammate, just clear off. Because yeah, I guess... that then... I mean, in a, in a realistic, he's a driver and he probably will just drive off and win the race. And that's absolutely fine because that is yeah. within his rights to do that. But also if you're thinking, okay, is he going to do everything he can to try and help Perez? Because if that's the case, he lets Perez go and Verstappen plays, you know, rear gunner. Because then that's that's the buffer that ideally Perez would want. But I don't think it's fair to expect that from Max. No, I don't think giving giving up a win is very different uh, to giving up 
uh, you know, the result at the end. And also, we've got to think that the results at the moment, they're level on point. So what realistically can Max do? If I think it would have been a lot more fascinating, say Perez was a few points behind um, and say say the order we're in now still wouldn't have given Perez that P2 in the title, but him being let through by Max would have given him P2. That would have been extremely spicy and very interesting to see what they'd have done. Um, however, obviously, if it's in the order they are now, it doesn't really matter. Verstappen can win the race and they don't even need to tell him to move because Perez finishing second still secures him P2 in the title. Um, so I and guess what does, from that And side... what does Verstappen do as well? Like, this is all hypothetical scenarios, but I quite enjoy thinking about all the different ways it could play out. If Leclerc jumps Perez and goes into P2, Perez P3, what does Verstappen do then? Does Verstappen then try and do what Hamilton did to Rosberg and back them into, into the rest of them? Like it, it is. Uh, that, it, that seems, uh, see, for me, you know, call, it's, for me, that just seems absolutely ridiculous. I can see why Hamilton did it when the world championship is on the line, but Verstappen backing the entire field up so his teammate can finish P2 in the title for me seems like that's a stretch too far. I don't, but this, this is coming from me who, you know, I've said multiple times, I don't really get the hype for P2 in the title. It's the, I'm very much one of these people that think it's the first loser. Like it's not a vice champion that some people think it is the vice champion. Actually, Tommy, if Charles Leclerc wins, I will be absolutely (laughs) shouting it from the hilltops that Um, Charles Leclerc is the vice champion of the world. Okay, but for me, P two is it's one of those things. I think it'd be nice, but I don't think I don't think it warrants Verstappen maybe doing some absolutely insane driving and doing a what Perez did to Hamilton last year or what Hamilton did to Rosberg that time just to just for the sake of something that's like, oh, that's kind of nice. They finished one, two in the title. Yeah, but then I guess you want to, I'm going to put the question on the flip side here. And okay, to you, Tommy, as a Max Verstappen, oh, two-time champion of the world fan, P2 means nothing. However, the damage that was done from Brazil, the teammate fracture there between Perez and Verstappen was clear as day to see. Um, if P2 means a lot to Perez. We can't take that away from him. We can't say that it doesn't mean anything to him. If he wants to finish second, then that's what he would feel like. Does Verstappen almost think, well, is this worth me trying to patch things up with Perez before we go into the new season? Is that not a more mature approach? If Sergio has said to him, yeah, P2 is something I really want and I would like your help in any which way possible, because then you'd almost see that as an investment for the future in an, from an emotional side of things, where you go, well, Matt, you know, Max will go, well, yeah, I helped you a little bit uh, in Abu Dhabi, didn't I? And uh, and did whatever. Now, I'm not saying you should give away the victory. Now, that that's 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 extreme. But it won't, it also, won't do anything, will it? If it's no. in that situation, so. well, no, sorry, not give away the win necessarily, but put his win in jeopardy. Put his win in jeopardy by yeah. back in the field up. Yeah, um, it's a tough call, but. Um... He's he's kind of put him in a in a position where it's it's not a lot he can do really um, in terms of the, the title. Like, so it is difficult because realistically, Perez has to beat Leclerc on his own terms. Now, um, the the only way I can see it, which is that that where Max could actually help him, is if say P 
Perez, there's a late safety car. So, sorry to bring that up at Abu Dhabi. Um, and a, a you know, late safety car. Perez maybe is on like a worldy strategy or something and is coming through the field and Verstappen, you know, don't hold him up because Verstappen need uh, sorry, Perez needs to race after Leclerc or something. Then yeah, I think he'd he'd get out of the way then. But what can yeah, realistically from from P1, uh, what what can Max do? I don't know. Be fascinating to see though. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Uh, even though there's hardly anything to play for, we're still trying to hype up P2 I, in the championship. I'm, I think I'm more interested just to see how they race each other at the, on that first lap. Whether... And also, you know, we're saying like, oh, you know, P2 in the championship. We also need to not forget that there are two Mercedes of Hamilton and Russell that have notoriously, well, not notoriously, but been known for their decent race pace and uh, good with their tyres and things like that this year. Uh, and their fight with Ferrari. Uh, Ferrari, of course, crucially ahead of them on the grid, and they're 19 points ahead are Ferrari as well. Um, so Hamilton and Russell will need to outscore Leclerc and Sainz by 20 points or more, because on countback, Ferrari have more wins uh, than Mercedes do this year. Uh, so that'll be another fascinating battle to, to keep an eye on as well, won't it? It will, but the uh, surprising Mercedes have sort of gone back to where they were before you can say it's the high altitude or whatever, you know, they've got an extremely draggy car, but they've gone back to sort of that fifth and sixth where they seem very far off Ferrari, but I wouldn't be surprised when it comes to the race, if they're a lot better on their tires and show more race pace. That's the theme that we've seen through a lot of the season. Um, had a very, uh, if you're a Ferrari fan, a very scary message from Charles Leclerc in FP3, where he said the soft tires lasted four corners um so we won't be seeing the soft tires tomorrow then that's uh, essentially yeah. uh do not expect to see the ferraris have those red walled uh tires mm. on the start and if they do then i'll start screaming during our mm. uh, our race watch along so keep an eye out for that yeah i wouldn't be too i wouldn't be too um scared as a mercedes fan that they're suddenly way worse than ferrari i think that's just how the season's gone that they haven't been there in qualifying um but i'd be i, I wouldn't put it past it being um mercedes back to being the second best car when it comes to actually the grand prix i have to wait and see tomorrow uh so now we're going to briefly touch upon uh the statement that came out from the formula one commission meeting we've not talked uh, about sebastian Vettel somehow oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> how have we not done that <laughs> literally but yeah. it's because we've hyped him up so much in yeah. the, the quality all we talked about through the whole uh quality watch along was, was sebastian, sebastian Vettel, Vettel, but this so is a just... separate podcast and we yeah. haven't technically for people listening just to the podcast so i apologize we have been hyping up sebastian vettel the entire quali watch along and okay it is worth speaking about as well uh, my apologies to all seb vettel fans out there p9 on the grid an unbelievable performance in the aston martin we did not expect the aston to be making it through to q3 i don't think anyone would have expected that uh stroll was down in 14th vettel in ninth and comfortably i would say got through um, the first two parts of qualifying and then yeah stuck at ninth was a tenth and a bit off Ocon a couple of tenths off Norris just about ahead of Danny Rick and Seb can maybe score some points in his final race which is more than I think anyone expected yeah to get through into Q3 and that Aston Martin is brilliant um yeah such a great performance and yeah he was he was just on it in in qualifying he was comfortably quicker quicker than stroll and in some of the sessions you know late on he was putting it sort of like p5 p6 and we're like oh my god he's gonna gonna do this so 
yeah, awesome from Vettel and just fingers crossed for a good race, please, please, please. Um, because that'd be great, great to see. Uh, him starting ninth, just you know, you can't expect much from him in that Aston Martin, but if you look at races like America and things like that, it would just be it'd just be great to see Seb doing a bit of like wheel-to-wheel racing and putting on a, a nice show, even if he only finishes eight, eighth or ninth. Let's have some, you know, some good battles. Let's have some points. Please, car, be good uh, for Sebastian Vettel tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Okay, shall we move on to the Formula One Commission meeting statement now? Uh, yeah, go on then. Wow, you seemed hesitant. <laughs> well, um, I was going to put one one more Perez Verstappen scenario into the Oh, mix. go on then. <laughs> Let's carry on the hypothetical nature of this podcast. If you're Perez, I just want to yes. throw this and it will be interesting to see what you and everyone thinks. Um, after what happened in Brazil, are you now just as determined to beat Verstappen in the race than you are beating Leclerc for P2 in the title? Is he more fueled by actually sending it on Verstappen on lap one and trying to beat Max? Or is he, or do you think it's more like he'll just settle and go, no, I need to beat Leclerc here? I think, I think he's, I think there'll be, I think he'll go for it at the start. I think he would love to, love to beat Verstappen, of course, after everything that went on. And just generally, of course, you know, your teammate winning the world title, it's going to, it's going to hurt a tiny bit. Um, but I don't think he'll do anything stupid. I don't think he'll be willing to send it and potentially crash into his teammate and hand a Ferrari one, two over. Um, now I, I think he will, an element of him will go, oh, I want to beat him down towards turn one. If not, I don't think he's going to do anything silly. And, you know, it, the running trend of this year has been that Verstappen's been better in the race than, than Perez has. So, um, realistically they will work out a plan. I'm sure behind closed doors before we go uh, racing tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure it will also solve a few problems as well, because then you, then the question is, does Verstappen race Perez if Perez gets ahead of his teammate on the first lap? Plenty of questions. What, who, mm. what, what about you, Tommy? What do you think? I think he'll want to, I think he'll at least have a go on the first lap um, and then maybe settle down, but oh, it'd be, be good, wouldn't it? I'd I'd love to see the Red Bull statement if they ploughed into the side of each other on on lap one. Um, after as what a team they said. we made a mistake. As a team we made a mistake. We the the call came too late to Perez to not plough into the side of Verstappen, and we apologise. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Okay. Let's do this blooming twenty twenty three changes now, shall <laughs> yes, we? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Right. So um, F one released a statement yesterday on a few things that they are uh, looking to change. We'll just talk about the interesting ones um because there are a, few a lot of boring a things as always yeah um so there's a wet weather update uh, i'm just going to read to you what it says on the formula one website driver feedback has suggested that there's been reduced visibility in extremely wet conditions with this latest generation of cars which is a key determinant on stuff determinant is that i thought it was determinant Oh, it's just FIA Never. language, isn't it? On starting or needing to suspend sessions. So essentially what they've, they're going to do is a study focused on developing the bodywork, uh, which they try to basically suppress the tyre spray from running in wet conditions by use of minimal bodywork over the wheels, the wheel arches. Um, so yeah, they're just they're trying to make wet weather a bit more manageable so then they don't have to fly a red flag every single uh, second. And also, they don't do they mention any work on the actual wet tires? Nope, no, not one bit. Which, which is, is exactly my thought think, as well. Yeah, 
would be like a thing they need to make mandatory is teams have to do wet weather running um yeah, whenever that, whenever possible yeah that was my first reaction seeing that statement where it's like oh we're gonna try and use the wheel browse to deflect spray and do all this fancy stuff and i was like or just have wet tires that work because <laughs> we saw when it was mandatory that they started on wets they could run in pretty appalling conditions round one of the most treacherous and difficult tracks um in the wet and they did fine on the wet tires so it's almost like make the wet tires work but at least they're trying to do something and they've listened to the drivers in terms of visibility so Absolutely. Uh, another thing is grid and power unit penalties. So they are continuing to discuss this, but essentially they have made the decision or made a, an analysis there that the, it's not a big enough penalty and that some teams are literally just taking a whole host of big old fancy upgrades. Um, you know, Bombs, for example, so. if, if, for example, a driver needs to change one particular part of their engine, the team will then just go, well, let's just take a whole batch. You know, let's just take a bit of everything. Um, and then that then therefore leads to more cost, which is exactly what they're trying not to have in Formula One. So I wonder what they'll come up with that, to be honest. Because, it's, uh, it's a difficult one, though, because every else do you... team, yeah, every Unless team... instructors championship points or something. But... Yeah, maybe. Just every, every team for... I mean, it's ha been happening for the last what, six years or whatever now, mm. that they they all know that Monza is the one. Just get, you can, you might as well do it there or or Spa, for example, that that's the place where you can overtake and get all your power unit things out the way. And I mean, Max Verstappen showed, I know it's Max Verstappen, so it's a bit different, but that it was barely a penalty, was it, uh, from 14th, just stick a new engine in and fly through the field and sort it. Or Hamilton in Brazil last year. Hamilton in Brazil as well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, so they are continuing to work on that to figure out what the penalties should be. Uh, another thing is that, well, if you hadn't heard already, tyre blankets is something that they they were planning to get rid of uh, for 2024. Um, and they have basically delayed any final decisions on whether they're going to do that or not until July 2023. So they're trying to figure out whether it's actually... Definitely uh, won't do that. Yeah, a feasible thing to do as much as I think it could. I could would like some, to see it. Uh, interesting stuff. Um, so there's that. Uh, I think this one's one of the most interesting ones in terms of racing, and that's DRS activation. Mm, so they're going to turn it on uh, a lap earlier uh, in the in the races uh, and also uh, sprint races uh, or following a safety car restart as well. So the safety car restart was usually two laps, wasn't it? And now it's going to be one as far as i am aware uh, i don't think it's three after a safety car i'm pretty sure it's two, two. Uh, that's my yeah understanding, yeah but... yeah sorry yeah but yeah a lap earlier is much better because yeah i do i do agree that that's the best the best part and watching as a fan it is frustrating that when you see that um safety car restart they're all bunched up that should be the exciting bit and then you know it's not going to be DRS for a couple of laps. And then it's really annoying because that's the bit where you think we could get some passing and overtaking. And then actually all that happens is by the time uh, DRS is enabled, everyone's sort of separated out by a second and a half um, and you miss that chance. So people will say it's um, gimmicky. They always do with anything new, but 
I'm here for it. I think it'd be yeah, insane. and people are saying DRS trains in the chat and things like that uh, that I can see right now. And what I would argue is that DRS trains will naturally occur anyway. It's more the fact that I'm thinking the battle for the lead. If you have someone like Verstappen on pole and he just has an amazing first three laps and he's already clear of over a second, um, you may not have that anymore. And you might have more of a fight for the win uh, than than we've seen previously. And I think a small change like that could actually have quite big uh, big consequences so uh, i'm uh, i'm looking forward to to seeing if that is a good thing or bad thing i'm sure if it turns to be turns out to somehow m- make the racing much worse they'll revert it um, i like the idea i i mean we don't credit <laughs> don't credit formula one and the fa a lot but what i will say is i'm not against them trialing things like that uh particularly you know, doing it in sprints and stuff i think it's a good idea to uh test bed things in actual races and stuff um i'm yes. personally not against that i like to see it rather than you know we've seen in the past that uh, elimination qualifying is a perfect example that i can think of where it probably looks good on paper they implement it and go oh my god this is terrible whereas if you actually have those moments where you can try it and see if it works um and i think that is something that ross braun has spoken about in the past hasn't he um mm. so yeah that that them actually trying things and experimenting i'm not against it uh i know some people want it to be pure racing and and all this kind of stuff but then what is pure racing do we go back to 1950s cars with hay bales and never have any kind of changes so f1 changes all the time it evolves and new things come in and equally um Everyone just gets nostalgic about the things that they uh, like. It's when DRS first got introduced, there'll be a lot of people that listen to this podcast that maybe um, have only just started watching F1 in the last few years. But as the resident boomer of this podcast and someone that's been around on F1 Twitter for ages, when DRS got introduced, it was like, oh my God, it's such a gimmick. Now you actually ask people about DRS, and a lot of people like it and think it's a very good thing because it, it's been there all the time and they like to see it uh, and it makes the racing more interesting and that that has been shown uh, a lot so yeah there we go i can't imagine an f1 world without drs these days to be honest with no you. it'd be um, terrible to be think fair. that yeah we, well we see that sometimes in full wet races and look how close they uh, they are in those in those conditions um so yeah uh, that was kind of the main big changes there's a little bit of a change to park ferme and sprints which isn't particularly exciting. Uh, accident damage allowance, they're basically simplifying how much forfeit allowance amount they get for each sprint, which goes up. Uh, and then technical and financial regulations, they unanimously approved some minor changes to that, uh, which, um, yeah, is not particularly exciting at all. So, yeah, there <laughs> you go. Um, that, I think, is about it. Tommy, well, your final thoughts. Oh, my God, where the, what happened there? I literally <laughs> couldn't even say the word. Your final thoughts, please. My final thoughts are Abu Dhabi, prove me wrong and give us a banger. Okay. All right. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing Charles Leclerc dive up the inside of Perez at turn five on the last lap uh, to take P2 in the championship. And I will celebrate it like it is Leclerc winning the world title. You can watch that live tomorrow on the WTF1 Twitch channel, WTF1 official. And uh, we will see you very soon for another 
well, our podcast will go out on Tuesday. We've got Internet's Best Reactions going out tomorrow and lots more stuff always to come. So, yeah, thank you, everybody. We'll see you very soon. Twitch chat will stay with you for a little bit longer. And, yes, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.